Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Working on your mental health can feel a lot like trying to pilot a boat through the ocean on a foggy day. There's not a lot of sense of direction or sense of progression. You're working really hard, but you can't necessarily look around and see if you're getting anywhere. Or if you are getting anywhere, are you heading in the right direction or are you just wandering about aimlessly? It's a very lonely, frustrating, and demoralizing journey. But if you keep at it and if you work hard and you keep going in some certain direction, sometimes, eventually, you will start to see your destination off through the fog on the horizon. It may still be a long ways away, and you may not be sure if you're going to reach it or not, but it at least starts to feel possible, if not probable, that you're actually getting somewhere and that someday this might actually work out okay. Unfortunately, a lot of the time when you start to get closer to that destination, out of nowhere, a storm rolls in. A dark storm, windy, rainy, dangerous, and you have to go below deck. You have to just hide and stay safe. You can't stay on the deck anymore. You have to bide your time and let this storm blow over. And sometimes the storm lasts a long time, weeks, months, sometimes years. When you finally come up, when it's finally safe to get back on your boat or from below deck, I don't know exactly how sea boats work and look around can't see your destination anymore you've been blown who knows how far off course by this storm whether this storm was a depressive episode a period of heightened anxiety trauma triggers a new physical health condition grief some other life stressor you've been blown off course and you once again have no idea where you're going or whether you're even pointing in the right direction for the purposes of the video, let's say it was a depressive episode. A depressive episode, if it's severe enough, can stop you from using nearly all of your resources. It can take almost everything away from you as it drains your willpower, drains your energy, messes up your social functioning, messes up your physical functioning. All this stuff you work so hard to build up and build habits with and build consistency with can be taken from you. And you have to start over again from scratch. It's so overwhelming and you don't even know where to begin. If you think of it, if we go back to our boat on the ocean metaphor, you were in this boat, you were going the right way, and now this storm has come and knocked you very, very far off course, right? If you keep moving straight, in other words, if you keep going the direction you're going in, you're going to miss your destination now and you're going to end up very, very lost. When a depressive episode hits, it affects how we spend our time. Our sleep hygiene gets messed up. We often are not physically active. We stop spending time with people. We stop taking care of our homes, our bodies. We don't go to work. We don't go to school. We stop doing all the things that keep us on course because we no longer feel able to. What I see happen to people time and time again, though, is that when the episode itself passes, and if you have major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, or any 
cyclical mood disorder. Your depression then does come and go in episodes. That doesn't mean you feel completely fine when you're not in a, in a depressive episode, but it means there's going to be ups and downs, ebbs and flows. But when you're feeling better, whatever that means for you, you don't automatically get back on track. You don't automatically revert to the lifestyle and the habits that you had before. You often continue to live like a depressed person, even though you are no longer in a depressive episode, because those are the habits and routines and momentum that were built up for you. It's not your fault. This just happens, but that were built up for you during that depressive episode. And so you continue to live like a depressed person, even when you are not necessarily clinically depressed during this period of time. The only way to get out of that and get back on track is to look at what changed during the episode. What did this depressive episode take from you? What did you stop doing? And that may be a very, very long list. I know writing it all out can be very frustrating, very ironically depressing, right? but I do think you should probably do it. This is what I encourage people to do. We covered this last week in intensive outpatient programming because this is where a lot of people are right now. And here's what I had them do. We all worked on making lists of everything that our most recent depressive episode took from us, every single way in which we were knocked off course. And these were lists of maybe, you know, 15, 20, 25 items Many, many things on this list, sleep, nutrition, physical activity, social functioning, vacuuming, dishes, work, school, you know, it, the list goes on, playing guitar, writing, reading. Next, I had them divide the items on their list into inputs and outputs. Inputs are the behaviors that give you more than they take from you in terms of things like time, energy, and attention. In other words, they more than pay you back for what you have to put into them. Outputs, of course, are the opposite. Your outputs are things that take more time, energy, and attention from you than they put back into your system. But the outputs are usually things that are still really important for our lifestyle sustainability in general. Let me explain that a little more because this this is the centerpiece of this whole idea. And I want to make absolutely sure that you guys get it. It's very similar to a financial budget. So most systems have inputs and outputs. In a financial budget, your inputs, of course, are your income. So it's your paycheck and whatever other money you have coming in. And your outputs are your expenses, your bills and whatever else. In any system that has inputs and outputs, the ideal is to make sure that inputs exceed outputs or else the system is unsustainable and will eventually collapse. Your inputs in your mental health system, some of them are going to be universal and some of them are going to be specific to you. So universal inputs, these are really pretty much going to be true for all people, would include things like sleep hygiene, nutrition, if you take psychiatric medication, compliance with psychiatric medication, um, minimal or no substance use. These are all not even really basic mental health tools, but really basic brain health tools for all people. And they certainly don't have to be perfect. But if those things are not in at least a decent place, it's very, very hard for your brain to work correctly. And it's very hard not to function at a deficit. There are also things that are almost universally going to be outputs. There's always an asterisk here because some, everyone's brain is different and we perceive and react to things differently. 
But for most people, things like work and school are probably going to be outputs. They're things that are important, things we do need to do, but they're not things we can just do indefinitely. They're things that take a lot out of us and we have to recharge or replenish from them. I think also for most people, a lot of your chores, your activities of daily living probably fall under the output category, as well as probably hygiene for most people, but that one I know can be an exception. There are also a lot of variables on this list that are really going to be dramatically different from one person to the next in terms of which category they fall into. So you have to really know yourself to do this activity correctly. I'll give you a couple examples of that. So for me, Physical activity, like exercise, is 100% in input. In fact, it is one of the most important inputs that I have. Yes, it does take a lot of energy and time to do, but it pays me back throughout the day. And ultimately, it gives me more than it takes for me personally. I recognize that that is not true for everybody and that many people find it to be really just a burden um, and it does not function that way. Something I'm on the opposite side of is socializing. I am a pretty introverted person. And so being socially active takes more than it gives from me. I cannot socialize indefinitely. It puts a major drain on my system to do so, even if I like, love the people I'm interacting with. And I do have to have a recovery period from that. For a really extroverted person, social engagement is probably an input. It is something that is really, really giving to their system and helps them keep going. It might be one of the most important resources for them to recover from a depressive episode. For me, it is not. Once you have determined what falls on the input list and what falls on the output list, what I encourage people to do next is focus as much as possible exclusively on the input list. We want to get as much coming back into your system as possible before we try to start taxing your system by putting expectations on you. I know sometimes there are real world limitations to this in terms of things like your job or you know some of you are parents. It can't always be perfectly all inputs first, then work on the outputs. But to the best of your ability, I encourage people to focus almost exclusively on rebuilding those inputs. Work on getting back on track with the things that are going to recharge and replenish your system and make more resources available for you to do the things that fall in the output column. Far too often, the things that are on the output list are often the things that other people see in our lives. Other people don't necessarily see how you're sleeping or how you're eating or whether you're taking your meds or not. They do see whether you're going to work or not. They do see whether you're going to school or not. They do see whether you're showering or not, or you know, you get what I'm saying. Um, and so those are often the areas that other people really emphasize for us to get back on track with. They tell us, you, you know, you last time you were doing better, you were doing all of these things. So you should try to get back to doing all of these things to stay better. What they don't realize, and, and I think this is usually a well-meaning, but ultimately unhelpful perspective to take, is you were doing those things because your system was working properly. Those things were not the cause of your improved mood. They were the effect of your improved mood. The cause of your improved mood was the inputs, the behind the scenes stuff that most people cannot observe in your life. 
And what I see happen far too often is as soon as people have started to recover from a depressive episode or any type of setback, they try to jump right back into their lifestyle at full speed. They don't have all their inputs set back up yet. And they start to reintroduce all of these drains on their system. And they ultimately end up in an unsustainable pattern, which hastens the onset of the next episode and keeps you stuck in this vicious cycle of episode after episode after episode, because you never have a chance to fully rebuild from the last one. I know I'm mixing metaphors and it's dangerous, but it's like you, you your home gets destroyed by an earthquake or something like that, right? And the foundation is damaged. And you work on the foundation a little bit, but the foundation is still very cracked and very unsettled. And you start building all the upper level stuff. You start rebuilding the kitchen, rebuilding the bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera. But the foundation's not rebuilt yet. And so eventually along comes another earthquake. And since the foundation is still unstable, the whole thing falls apart again. And we just get caught rebuilding these upper levels over and over and over again, either not realizing or just not having the luxury of working on the foundation. You have to rebuild the foundation if you want the things you're going to stack on top of the foundation to be resilient to the ebbs and flows in your mental health status and the general ups and downs and stressors in life that you will face. So that was that was our focus last week. I hope this little peek into the psychoeducation portion of my intensive outpatient program maybe has some applicability or at least some interest to you all. As always, please feel free to ask any comments, that, any questions that you might have in the comments. I'll do my best to answer them. And if the same question pops up for a lot of people, I will make a follow-up video on that topic to explain it more thoroughly. I always want to say too, like I recognize that this is easier said than done. I break this down into a very simple concept. I know that actually executing the plan that I have laid out here is not as simple. But knowing is half the battle, and hopefully by having this information, you've at least got that half covered. Good luck and take care. I'll see you next time.